Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Mizutani here on Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. After the Vikings pull off another uninspiring, yet victorious, performance 28-25 over the Saints. Dane, let's talk about how this thing ended to start. Uh, Vikings, the kicking game, it's always apparently been like a, to some degree, maybe like a hex uh, for this franchise, and yet they are the beneficiaries of a double doink um, in beating this the Saints over in London. Yeah, anyone watching that game, uh, after Will, first off, after Greg Joseph misses the point after to, to make it, keep it a three-point game, and, and Will Lutz marches right down the field, the Saints march right down the field, nail a 60-yarder. When Will Lutz had an opportunity to make a 61-yarder to tie the game basically as time expired, I think every Vikings fan deep down felt like that ball was going to go in. So to watch it not only hit the upright, but then the crossbar, and then change directions twice and and just kind of fall harmlessly into the end zone, um, felt like maybe some, like a breaking of the curse, I guess you could say. Uh, Not a a win that I feel like anyone is going to walk away like feeling super great about, but... The Vikings are three and one. Uh, they were beneficiaries of a, of double of double doink, and they have a lot of stuff to work on. It's it's like the same story every week. Um, but at the end of the day, they're three and one, so it is what it is, I guess. Giving up a massive play on defense when the Saints took over with 24 seconds left at their own 25. Um, giving up a massive play to get the Saints in field goal range and then having, well, outside 61 obviously is not really field goal range, but and then having the double doink is like the definition of the start of this three and one season to me for Minnesota. Like good football, no. Winning, yes. Um, and this does starting to feel like a team that's just kind of destined to get into the dance and that's all you need. And then we'll see what they do from there, but they still a lot of things that weren't great. Uh, but we can talk about the stuff that was good too, if you want. Uh, first off, I think when we all check Twitter today and see the saints injury report and say, okay, we knew Jameis, no, no Jameis. We knew no Michael Thomas. Uh, and then it's like, Oh, no, no Andrews Pete, no Elvin Kamara. It's like in my head, I was like, okay, we'll see how much Minnesota wins by. Um, and it turned into a, it turned into a legitimate game um, because the Vikings offense moved the ball and the defense made a couple plays, but like there just was no break there today. So much settling for field goals. I thought maybe that would bite them in the end. It didn't. But what did you think of that? Of like this team, they could have scored 40 points today if they punched the ball into the end zone, but it was just breakdown in the red zone, breakdown in the red zone, breakdown in the red zone. Yeah. The fact that they needed a double doink when the saints were without their starting quarterback, they're starting running back. They're starting number one receiver. They're starting right guard it's not great. And, and and the reason it came down to that last kick is because like you said, the Vikings could not capitalize in the red zone. They got to the red zone a bunch of times, but it's the same thing. This, this whole season to this point, like they just kind of shoot themselves in the foot when, when they're in a position to what it looks like about to succeed. You saw it a couple of times, like the first drive of the game was a beautifully scripted drive. The Vikings march right down the field, 75 yard touchdown. After that, like they would get into the red zone, false start, get into the red zone, Kirk, you know, can't convert, get in the red zone, a couple drop passes here and there. And it was just like falling short. And, 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 a, and you're right. Like, I think if you watch a game like that, you think like touchdowns win in the NFL, this is going to come back and bite them. I think it would have, if, if maybe Jameis, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas were playing, but they weren't. And 
I think the Vikings, they're going to fly home from London. They're going to be able to adapt to the, the central time zone really easily because of their circadian rhythms are, are not as off as, by the way, I think it's proof you fly out on a Thursday. If you go to, if you go to London, you don't fly out on a Monday. You just, you can't. So, um, but you know, a lot to work on, but it's, it's a lot easier to work on these things when, when you are three and one, when you walk away from a, another game that, with a win when, when maybe it was like up hanging in the balance to go the other way. It's been the story of the season so far. They're going to need to improve on the red zone efficiency moving forward though. New Orleans is not a very good team. I think it's pretty clear. They were banged up today. Maybe they look different down the road when they're, they're, they're healthy if they ever get fully healthy. Um, but not converting in the red zone, not scoring touchdowns, having to settle for field goals, that's going to bite you later in the season. Um, that's going to bite you against the better teams. Uh, the Vikings, the best thing they've done thus far, I think, is win the injury report. Uh, Green Bay was very banged up. Uh, Detroit lost DeAndre Swift for much of that game. Um, under St. Brown was playing at 60%. And then the Saints played pretty much nobody on offense today. So, like, we've seen them play one full-strength team, and that was Philadelphia, but – and obviously they got smoked there, but like the NFL is so much about who's available. And Minnesota's actually been pretty good on that front. Um, but that's enough. Like, hey, hey, maybe the idea to not play in training camp, maybe whatever they're doing now, like it might be a legitimate advantage. I don't know. They're keeping guys healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I guess. <laughs> and you you look at the amount of, of, of things that we made out of limited reps in, in practice and not playing the guys in the preseason. Uh, the, hey, if, if it, anecdotally it's working, if anecdotally guys are staying on the field, that does give them advantage right now. And it, in theory, it's going to give them an advantage trending into the rest of the season too. Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, I, I can't, I can't stress enough, like how ugly of a game this was. Um, it was entertaining down the stretch, but like, I don't think you like, did you enjoy it? Like, I don't think anyone walked away being like, wow, that was like a, a really fun football game. Like, I think it, it was interesting. It was close, but you know, with, with all the injuries, the Vikings should have won by more. I think that's pretty clear. Like I, it's exactly how I felt about the Detroit game, like entertaining at the end, the Vikings made its place at the end for most of the game. I was left. Ooh, 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 Ooh. Um, and that, I, I think maybe that's just going to kind of be this season, but Hey, if you can do that in winning games, I think like we talked about at the start of the year, you don't have to be the best team to win the Super Bowl. You have to get into the dance and get hot. This team is setting itself up well to get into the dance and figure out how to get hot later. We, it's tough to envision that right now, but they're pulling out games, um, which is like what you got to do. And Hey, they might be four and one after next week. Yeah. And we've talked about this in the past, like the Cincinnati Bengals, like when they got into the dance, they almost lost to the Raiders in the wild card round. Like no one truly thought the Cincinnati Bengals were going to go to the Super Bowl. So maybe that's just something the Vikings are trying to, you know, copy at this point. Uh, they do look like they're going to be in pretty good position with now they're three and one. Like that's a good record in the NFL. Their schedule is very, very soft. The NFC North, like, Detroit's maybe a little better. I, I'm curious to see how the Packers look today against the, the New England Patriots. Like, I don't know how good the Packers are. Like, the Bears stink. Like, there there's wins to be had, and then the schedule itself outside of your your division is relatively soft. So yeah, they're setting themselves up well uh, to get into the dance. Say what you want about the the first month of the season. It's been uninspiring. It it's been frustrating. I think at times to watch. It's 
you know, I don't think everyone walks away feeling like the Vikings deserve to win certain games that they have so far, but they're three and one at the end of the day. I keep saying that because three and one, you know, when this team easily could be one and three, like there, there are games where you look at the Detroit game and this game against, you know, in, in London, like those easily could have gone the other way. Um, the Vikings are ending up on the right side of it now. It's something that they didn't end up on the right side of a, a lot last year. A lot of people said, well, you know, this team is good. The roster has talent. Uh, they just need a new leadership to, to find them how to you know, eke out these close games. And so far, so good for Kevin O'Connell. I, I don't think it's a script you want to follow the rest of the way, though. I push back that they did win some close games last year. Like they won the Carolina game, the Detroit game. It's not like they dropped them all, but they are now two and zero in like yeah. really close games. Um, but yeah, I think if you looked at the schedule at the start of the year, you would have said two and two was fine because the Saints are expected to be the team that maybe dethrones Tampa. You got Green Bay, you got Philly, at Philly on there, and then you got a Detroit game. So like three and one is great. Um, now it's looking more and more like the NFC is just really bad, uh, but that's fine because you're in the NFC. So why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? Like so. They, they might just be good enough. And like I said, hey, maybe they're just going to be the healthier team. Like, whatever. Um, that's your path to victory. Then that's what it is. Like, That's a good point, too. Like, the, the, we're going to rag on the Vikings until they, they, they prove to us that they put together a full game, can play some complimentary football. But, like, they're 3-1. and one. The NFC stinks, like, as a whole. I, I don't know who's a contender in the, the NFC right now. Like, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I look at it and – it seems wide open. So maybe it'll continue to be wide open. Maybe the Vikings do figure this out over the next month or so. The first month's shaky. Now we're going into month two. Like how would they look coming back, coming out of that? I'm not sure. Um, but they, yeah, they do benefit from the fact that they play in, in a conference that is lacking of, of elite football teams, in my opinion. Definitely think it's Tampa, the Rams, Philly, and everybody else at this point. Um, and we've talked about, hey, ways in which the Vikings have to improve. And, and they did some of that today, uh, certainly. But I, just in general, like we'll get into the offense and defense in a bit. But what did you think just about Kevin O'Connell's decision? Um, left a little bit to be desired, especially in the first half. Um, fourth and one kicks a field goal. Uh, time winding down before halftime. Just like three timeouts, pockets them lets the clock wind all the way down. And, uh, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, like, it's a frustrating thing to watch because they showed aggression early on in, in week one and, and things like that. But I think it might be also a little bit emblematic of, like, how Kevin O'Connell feels about his offense in the red zone. They've been inefficient. Fourth and one, like, I, I – I think any NFL team should be able to get one yard at that point. Um, but letting the clock wind down before halftime, I think he might be a little nervous that Kirk throws a pick or Kirk makes a mistake or Kirk does something that takes three points away from you. And instead of being up six, which is a guarantee, you're, you're only up three. Um, I don't love the decision-making, but I, I, I can kind of see like the neurons in his brain firing and being like, I don't know if I trust these people right now. I don't know if I trust this offense right now. A lot of that's on him too. Like the play calling at times today left a little bit to be desired. Um, I will say like at the end of the day though, as much as the Vikings struggled, they made the big play like game winning drive. You know, Greg Joseph makes a 47 yard field goal. Uh, Kirk throws a dime to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson beats Marshawn Lattimore over the top. So as much as the Vikings struggled on offense, they came through when they really, really needed to. And 
I think at that from that perspective, like you feel a little bit good about that. But Kevin O'Connell's decision making as a whole, a little iffy to me today. I say I think he just coached to win this game. I think he looked at the Saints team and said, "Ah, eh, they don't have that many guys." And yeah, like you can be more aggressive. Guess what? The Saints are probably wishing they weren't aggressive at the end of the first half when they just gave Minnesota three points. Um, yeah. I'm all for aggression, and I think Kevin O'Connell should have been more aggressive today. It almost bit him, but I think we got to look at the other side sometimes and say. Might yeah. just sometimes coach to win that game uh, because right. the, the Saints with Andy Dalton said we're going to go guns for it at the end of the first half, and he fumbles, and uh, the Vikings get three more points. Should have been seven, but three more points. Like, and then guess what? Those three points at the end loom pretty large. Like, sometimes it is just like coach to win the game. The Saints didn't have much today. It felt like Kevin O'Connell but played it conservative because he thought that the Saints couldn't keep up. They almost did, and they they did at the end because the Vikings defense is just that bad. But like. I think he coached to win this game, and I can't always fault that. Like, sometimes you don't have to be the aggressor. Uh, and, and his team was just better today, barely, but, like, I understood today more than other. Yeah, I I, I won't push too much on that. Like, I, I get it. Um, the Saints stuck with with the people they had trotting out. The Saints offensively were, were down about three or four players. Um, defensively, they were getting after the, the – you know, the Vikings for a good chunk of the day, the, the offense from the Saints side really started to hum as the game progressed, but I, I get it. You're right. Like the Vikings probably felt like if we can go up six here, we feel really good about where we're at. Or if we can, instead of going, getting, being tied, if we, if we can make it 10, seven um, and not have to risk like potentially, you know, not getting any points here, not keeping the Saints, you know, holding out hope. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, take the points. I'm I'm generally in favor of of being aggressive, but when you're playing an opponent like they were today, I guess it's it, it makes sense. All right, back for inside purple and gold. Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani. Dane, we talked about the coaching. We talked about where this team maybe is at right now and kind of where we sit a quarter mark through the season. Let's just get into the specifics of the offense today because, like, the biggest concern coming into the week, right, was Justin Jefferson. Two weeks in a row, meh, meh. Um, and it looked like shut, kind of shut down by top corners. That did not happen today. Um, he definitely 1,000% got the better of Marshawn Lattimore. And specifically, I think, beat Marshawn Lattimore in a number of big plays, including the the big, long 41-yard play that set up the game-winning field goal. Um, 10 for 147 for Justin Jefferson. Looks like Justin Jefferson did you see anything different that Minnesota did to get him back involved? Um, or was this just Justin Jefferson playing better football? I think it was Justin Jefferson playing better football. I think I listened to Justin Jefferson's interview on field after the game. And he said, basically like saints wanted to single me up with Marshawn Lattimore. They didn't bring safety help over the top a lot. And like, we feel good about that. I would feel great about that. If I was Justin Jefferson, I will say like when the Eagles pretty much singled him up, I, they helped a little bit, but it was basically Justin Jefferson versus Darius Slay in week two, and he lost. So this performance from Justin Jefferson is is proof of him playing better. Um, but I also think it is like a game plan thing. Um, generally speaking, Justin Jefferson's going to win if you just let him be one-on-one with any corner. Like I know Marshawn Lattimore is really good. I know the Saints defense as a whole, like the scheme is probably predicated on letting that guy, Marshawn Lattimore and his elite talent, like, just kind of win against whatever receiver comes in his path uh, on a weekly basis. But like Justin Jefferson proved, like if you really want to go one-on-one with him, like it's only a matter of time week two against the Eagles, 
meh. Week three against the Lions, Jeffrey Okuda was what was, was pretty good in that game. Also a lot of safety help over the top. Week four against the New Orleans Saints, it was only a matter of time before Justin Jefferson really broke out, and he, and he did in a big way. Um, there were a couple plays, obviously the 41-yard reception down the sideline that sets up the, the game-winning 47-yard field goal. Um, he had a couple other really big plays in the game. He had another 40-yard catch, you know, kind of on – Looked similar to the, the route he ran against the Green Bay Packers, where they motioned him. The Saints kind of ran into each other, lost you know lost Justin Jefferson in the in in the mix, and and he's running down the sideline, kind of free and open. He also had a couple just like really good routes that that freed himself up and and, and allowed for easy throws to Kirk. A couple drops uh, would be the only thing I, I would say. He balls behind him in the end zone. I still think you make that catch if you want to say you're the best receiver in the game. Kirk also put a kind of a lollipop throw on him down the sideline. Marshawn Lattimore tough in coverage, and, and Justin Jefferson didn't release his hands, kind of let him get him to his body and dropped it. But as a whole, like I think the Vikings kind of got back to what they want to function as, like as a unit this this season on offense. Um, lots of Justin Jefferson and other guys filling in elsewhere. Yeah, um, I thought it was pretty interesting that the Saints, like, you go with your guy, I get that, um, but Marshawn Lattimore definitely does a better job against, like, these big physical wide receivers where Justin Jefferson is clearly just faster than Marshawn Lattimore. We saw that on the end of the game. Like, what it's like a one-step and he's gone. I mean, he just beat him by speed, like, significantly faster, and that makes life impossible for Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, No safety help there. Like, that doesn't make sense to me in a big spot where Jefferson's already had a big game. Uh, but teams just go with what they go with. They're like, this is what we do defensively. We're going to stick with it. Um, and we're just going to lose because of it. Uh, but that was it. Like, and Jefferson showed like, Hey, if, if it's one-on-one, like you said, like, yeah, you might have an off game. You might lose one matchup, but more often than not, you're going to win. Um, and, and Minnesota won because of that. I still thought it was kind of interesting. Like Justin Jefferson has a pretty big day. Like Kirk Cousins stat line looks pretty good. And yet I walked away thinking so often that the offense struggled and it usually was because of like the big time, like red zone plays and whatnot. And like their touchdown drive uh, to take the 25, 22 lead entirely penalty aided. Um, and you can like tic-tac calls that could go either way. And they're going Minnesota's way. The big Adam Thielen third down pass interference that sets Minnesota up for the score on like the two yard line um, in my prayers. Like, Oh, I would prefer a no call on that one. And I think a lot of people would like two guys just going back and forth at it. Uh, so I, I didn't feel good about the way the offense played today. Uh, pressure definitely got to Kirk Cousins. Um, the running game was relatively ineffective. Dalvin Cook playing with that shoulder injury, just 20 for 76. Like, they didn't run the ball well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's still I think it's still a unit that doesn't look fluid at all. Yeah, and I, I think you make a good point when, when you talk about, like, <laughs> I can't get over the pass interference call. I saw, I saw you tweet about it. Like, we can we just like petition to like get the spot fall out of the NFL because it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it, that, look, the Vikings should not have been aided by like a 50 50 ball that like Adam Thielen honestly interfered with with Lattimore as much as Lattimore interfered with him. Like, I know right. Lattimore was grabbing his arm, but but Adam Thielen touched his face mask or like pulled it one one direction. So while he was trying to go up for the ball, I just think it's so silly that at this point, like, that's a game altering play. Like. 60 yards or 40 yards on, on a, on a pass interference call. Like 
I, I just uh, let's go to college and 15 yard max on, on the pass interference. That's a tangent. Like we don't need to discuss on, I just needed to get yeah. that off my chest. Cause it's like, I do, but I would do want to say like people respond to like, well, then corners would just tackle receivers all the time. And I, my response is always, do you see that every Saturday in college football? I certainly mm-hmm. do not. Guys just get beat. And your thought is not, I'm just going to tackle this guy. You never also, ever like, think that most deep that, balls, like QBs miss deep balls anyway. So you're like, Oh, let's just see what happens here. Like yeah, that's just, moronic logic because right. Justin Jefferson like dust set Marshawn Lattimore off the line on that that 41 yard like he Lattimore couldn't attack him if he wanted to like right. you know like he, he had lost already so that's my tangent let's get let's get the the pass interference the DPI call to, to 15 yards and, and and kind of be done with this spot that was stuff. that was another big play for Adam Thielen though in a, in a game where he second straight like good week and i would say this week it felt like he was more a part of the offense like more of a built-in mm-hmm. part of the offense eight for 72 and that obviously that pass interference is another big one like it didn't feel like he was just a safety valve on a blitz um it felt like he was legitimately game planned in this week which felt a little different to me yeah which is i think more proof and i was listening to adam thielen talk to reporters in london um after the game like you heard thielen and jefferson before the season started about you know, talk about like, well, this offense is really complex. Like we're going to kind of ramp it up as, as time progresses. I think we're starting to see like what it could look like. I think, I I don't think Kevin O'Connell was hiding all his plays. I just think at at a certain point, like guys get more comfortable in the scheme. Um, I think we're, I think the scheme is changing too, though. This definitely looks more like the Vikings offenses than the new one. Uh, This looks nothing like what we saw week one and week two. It's back to like fullback play action bootlegs. Like it is back to, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak, all of that. So, like, that's what's been interesting to me. Yeah, but I think to that point, like, that Adam Thielen getting more involved, like, is something that worked and is something we should see a lot more moving forward. Um, he, he was involved last week when, even even if they didn't really deserve the, the Detroit Lions win, involved this week when, even if they maybe didn't deserve, you know, the New Orleans Saints win. Um you have a dynamic duo with Jefferson and Thielen, and I think it it, it would benefit you to use it more often than not. Uh, KJ Osborne, our guy, only one catch for six yards today. So uh, we were wrong be, about that one. Preseason, yeah, we, we were wrong. Yeah, he's he's. Well, they I, they're not playing as many like when you're going fullback, tight end, two wideouts. He's not even on the field. So right. like, that that's basically like a myth at this point that he's going to be a major part of this offense. Yeah, he is not. Um, two targets today. Uh, one catch for six yards. Irv Smith, four targets, uh, three catches for 23 yards. So he, I'll be he, interested he, to see Osborne's snap count even. Yeah. Um, Irv Smith was on the field way more than Osborne. You're, you're right. Um, I think we're starting to see like at times, like it, this is how it should go. Like Jefferson and Thielen should, should dominate the targets for the Vikings and everyone should, should just kind of fill in after that. Um, Irv Smith was third on the team with four targets. Um, he just he hasn't been super impressive to me. I, I get that he is just kind of an integral part of this offense that just gets to play because like they're slowly working him back into you know full form, and like it's pretty obvious Johnny Munt's not not it. Like pretty pretty big drop um, in, in in the red zone um, in in the first half. So just kind of a lot to kind of take in about this offense. I think what we were talking about in segment one though, like their efficiency in the red zone. That's why we walk away thinking this offense was, was, was bad today. Right. Greg Joseph finished with five field goals. Three of them were, were, were on red zone drives. 
Um, he, he made a 46 yarder and a 47 yarder. Very, very good. Um, but his three other field goals were just because the Vikings couldn't put, punch it in the end zone. Turn that nine points into 21, we're feeling very different. I know that's like an easy like math equation, like duh. Um, the Vikings offense moved it at times today. Uh, they, they just couldn't get over the hump, and they're going to need to moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, like it's it's right now the offense is like good, but not good enough. Not not to carry this team where it needs to go. Like it has to go up like three or four levels. Um, if it's going to be a team where we're actually talking about it as a threat to do anything, um, right now it's fine. It's like it's a good unit. Um, it's not a great unit. This is supposed to be a great unit. At least that's what we thought with Kevin O'Connell coming in, and we're just not there. Like you have to come through in a lot of ways. It's got to be efficient. Um, you got to get things done at the right times. So the one good thing you could say is yet again when they needed to make a drive late, Kirk Cousins did it. He just made the throw. Um, to Justin Jefferson, and then they stalled out after that, but close enough to get Greg Joseph to that 47-yard field goal. Um, they took advantage of the penalties on that touchdown drive. Like Kirk Cousins is getting it done in the moments when they have to late. Uh, they just shouldn't be putting themselves in these spots. But uh, the pros with the cons, I guess, on that. So I, I think I'm pretty mixed review for this offense, really through four weeks. Like sometimes good, sometimes really bad, um, just not consistent whatsoever. Yeah, and – I would say wholly disappointing, like from what you saw in week one and you thought this was going to just be an offense that blew the doors off of other teams and Kirk Cousins was fixed and Justin Jefferson was going to receive for a, a 2000 yards this year. It's clearly not it. Um, it's probably like you were saying, that's a good point, like a little bit similar or a little bit more similar to the the Zimmer offense of old than, than perhaps we were, were predicting heading into this season. Um, just a lot to, to, to improve upon um, just like you look at the way Kirk cousins plays the position. I think this might just be a kind of thing. What you get, what you get with him. Um, good. Sometimes lacking at others. Like we've talked about capable of, of leading a drive. Like that's never been like a huge knock on him. Like for all of his, his deficiencies, like he's capable of getting the ball back and then and, and marching down the field if he has to. Um, but overall, like, I just don't know, like, it's the second week in a row we're, we're talking about a win. Um, and it feels like we, we could easily be talking about a loss, like with the way and the rhetoric we're, we're talking about this team. Um, that's because they've been just generally blah up to this point. Great. Uh, that's kind of been the case for the offense. We'll see if it improves here as we move forward. Um, when we get back for segment three, we're going to talk defense. Uh, this group that looked also kind of entirely uninspiring, especially late against an Andy Dalton and few weapons-led offense. Back with Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani here, breaking down Minnesota's 28-25 victory over the Saints over in London. Uh, double doink goes Minnesota's way um, as Will Lutz's 61-yard attempt hits the... Upright. You call that? Upright. I was like, I wanted to call it the cross right. I know it's the cross bar uh, and the upright goes upright cross bar. No good. Um, another break, frankly, within the first four games of the year that goes the Vikings way. And they're three and one because of it. Um, another game where we go some good, um, some bad. And it ends all as well for Minnesota. Um, as this three and one team, an imperfect three and one team for sure. Um, we're recording this in the middle of the Giants Bears game. And one of those teams is going to three and one. And I think Minnesota's better than those two teams. But I think it's going to feel a little similar. Like that team's not that great, but they're three and one. Um, and that's going to be the Vikings as well. Uh, part of that's because of this defense, Dane, um, that. You know, Andy Dalton, Chris Olave, I don't know. Um, like, Chris Olave was this team's only weapon that you really had to worry about. Andy Dalton was the one throwing to him. Um, Olave didn't even have a big game, but they just 
like this defense, it's it doesn't matter the opponent. They're going to give up 24-ish points, um, and it's going to come relatively easily uh, because that's the way they play defense. It doesn't adjust it for any opponent. Um, it's Ben, Ben, Ben. Hope you don't break. Okay, you broke some, but hopefully not enough. Um, which on I get it against good offenses, but man, when you play against a team that is beat up and should be a bad offense, and it looks the exact same, that's frustrating. I got to think for the fans at home. Yeah, and just also like early on, the Saints looked terrible. And as the game progressed and as the game wore on, the Vikings defense proved that like they're not that good. Like early on, I think a lot of the Saints struggles were on them. And you know, they had the Dalton fumble. I know the Vikings caused that. But as you enter the second half and they just start marching down the field, Latavius Murray, who was on the practice squad last week, comes up, gets the call for, for Alvin Kamara. Mark Ingram got some carries too, but that dude is so old. Like it was like Latavius Murray's backfield basically by the end of the game. And he was gashing them in, in the second half, five yards a pop, six yards a pop. They didn't even face third downs because Latavius Murray was just taking whatever he wanted fr- from this Vikings front seven. Um, the pass rush didn't get home as much as it, you know, they, I, they got, they at least had some sacks today as opposed to the, against the lions where, where they had none. No, but I thought this was a team that you were going to be able to pressure, especially when they were missing Andrews Pete, their, their, their starting right guard. Like we were giving the, the pass rush the benefit of the doubt in week two against a very good Philadelphia Eagles offensive line against a very good Detroit offensive line in, in week three. But maybe the pass rush just is what it is too. Maybe they're just kind of okay. Um, it's just the, the word that we're going to keep using. Like, just okay. That's what it feels like on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. Like there's different players that kind of, you know, take up this, this form of of the defense and you kind of be a microcosm of the struggles. I, I look at a guy like Cam Dancer, just like consistently gets roasted, but can make a play like had a great pass breakup late in the game on Chris Olave. That's kind of what it is. Like, like you said, Ben don't break. I just think like you're going to break against really good teams. And like, look, if the goal is just to like sell a bunch of tickets, get in the playoffs and just like test your luck there, see what happens. I think the defense can get you there. Like it's, a, it's, it's good enough to like bend and not break most of the times. But like, I, I think when, when, when you really start to play good teams, you know, whether it be the, the few good teams that pop up on the schedule, or if you do make the playoffs, like, the defense isn't going to be good enough to get it done. Just like do not have it be good enough to contain Andy Dalton led offense, especially late, even like, you know, when we, we talked about it. Okay. The Detroit game, I guess they got the stop at the very end. They couldn't do that this time. They didn't do that. They gave up the big play to Chris Olave over the middle of the field. And then they get the timeout because Harrison Smith hurts his hand. Like it's the only thing you couldn't do when you did it. Um, and you gave the saints a chance. Um, and, and that kicked, easily could go in. It's literally 50, 50 as it goes off the upright. Um, you, they didn't do that. They didn't come through. They put the off. They literally put the offense in a hole and the offense was able to come out of it after the offense kicked itself enough times. But like the defense is not good. Um, Daniel Hunter is not a great player anymore. Like that's just at some point we have to say Daniel Hunter is not a great football player anymore. And that is, it is what it is. Darius Smith might not be a great football player anymore, even with the one pressure of the sack today. Like this defensive line is not what we thought it was going to be. Um, and that's kind of the reality. And this is what it's going to look like. Um, you can't get gashed by Latavius Murray. You can't get gashed by Andy Dalton. Um, and yet it looks like every opponent that plays them, this is going to happen. Uh, week one certainly looks like fool's gold now. And 
I think this is the expectation moving forward. Um, you're going to give up 24 points, maybe 27, whatever the case may be. And you're going to try to outscore them. And you're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL in terms of yards. Uh, and you're never going to be able to say that any game's ever put away either. So kind of that's where they're at right now. Yeah, you're going to hope you're going to give up a ton of yards and you're going to hope that opposing offenses stink or shoot themselves in the foot the way that your offense shoots itself in, in the foot a lot of the times. Um, one thing I will say, like Patrick Peterson showed a little bit of a heartbeat today. Like two pass deflections look pretty good. A couple big stops in run coverage. He gets beat too. Like he, he's another example of someone on this defense that just like can show flashes and then look old. Um, but he, he, he was okay today. Uh, maybe the, the, the one bright spot to me and like, I don't know, like there were, there weren't a ton of bright spots. I thought Patrick Peterson looked okay. I thought Cam Dancer at times was okay. Um, Dalvin Thomason had the sack fumble. Um, he was the standout on the defensive line, which like you said, is not nearly as good as, as we thought it was going to be. Um, no knock on Dalvin Tomlinson, but if he's the guy who's standing out on, on a week to week basis, uh, when you have, you know, supposed world beaters like Daniel Hunter and Darius Smith on the, on the defensive line. Um, I think that kind of speaks to your, your ineffectiveness on, on that side of the ball. Um, but I don't know. They have the bears next week. They'll probably look good enough against them as well. Then they have a dolphins team without Tua. I, that'll be interesting though. Like maybe without Tua hopefully without Tua. Like, I hope he's not playing in two weeks. Um, that's another discussion. But against the Dolphins, when uh, you go up against teams, like an actual NFL offense, how are the Vikings going to look? Because no matter how much we talk about this, how, how, how okay, well, they, they left a lot to be desired today, but they still got the win. They, they bend, but they only give up 24, 25 points. Uh, like, that's not going to work against uh, a, a high-powered offense. Like, against the dolphins. And I think at that point you're going to learn a lot more about the Vikings defense. I think we know the Vikings defense is not that good. Um, but I think like the apologist around the Twitter sphere and Vikings fans are going to say, well, you know, like what, when, when, they, when it really matters, they, they really step up or they, you know, they, they only allow, they lay, allow a lot of yards, but not, not a ton of points. Um, we're going to, I think the, the defense will continue to show its colors as, as the season progresses. Get to a unit that did look good. The special teams. Um, frankly, you could argue won the Vikings game today. Um, obviously, the big fake punt that led to a field goal. Obviously, uh, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Wright. I liked the decision from Kevin O'Connell, like near midfield, fourth and two. Like, that's the time you do it. Um, right. It's Jalen Naylor for Naylor's first big play in a Vikings uniform. Uh, obviously, you know, the kicking game going perfect. Like, that's other than the extra point. Like, Frankly, I can't really pick out times where the special teams has let this team down very often this year. No, and I mean I'm not counting Greg Joseph missing 55 yard field goals as like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, no, I, I'm not counting that either. Um, and it's not because I wrote a feature about Greg Joseph last week before he missed <laughs> the two 56 yarders. But like, what are we doing? We're criticizing a guy for missing two field goals that would have stood as the franchise record. Like, maybe don't trot him out there another time. But like, missing a 56 yard field goal to me is like that's fine. Like you should be able to make it, but like, we're not going to criticize Will Lutz for missing the 61 yard around the double doink either. Um, those are long field goals that shouldn't necessarily be the expectation or it's not something you should get flamed for if you miss. Um, but Matt Daniels, yeah, he the special teams coordinator on the Vikings has this unit playing really, really well. Um, you mentioned the fake punt. Um, I, I like the creativity on, on 
I, I like when you have a fake punt and it's not just snap it to the up back and hope that you like catch the other team off guard. And then you kind of have egg on your face. If, if they're playing kind of in a, like a safe, like they ran a play, they, they let Ryan Wright throw the ball and like little behind little short, but it pretty good throw. Like from the former high school quarterback, like the broadcast was talking about, um, man, that guy's a unit. He's a big punter and he was probably a pretty big quarterback too. Um, they also forced a, so the punt team, punt coverage team, converts on that fake punt. They also force a fumble. Chris Boyd punches the ball out, recovers it, and then just like celebrates like he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Takes his helmet off, throws it like Stephon Diggs after the Minneapolis miracle. And I think you could see like on the replay, like Patrick Peterson like yell at Pat, like Chris Boyd, like put your helmet on. What are you doing? Like, uh, but like things like that. Like I, I think Matt Daniels. I love the dude. I love the fire that he coaches with. I love talking to him every week. He, he is like one of the most entertaining coaches I've ever covered in my life. Um, but I think a little bit of, of that fire and that intensity kind of rubs off on those guys. I think he's also just a very good coach who has these guys playing very fundamentally sound. Another big play was um, Jalen Rieger had like a 25 yard return on a punt return. Uh, Kenan Wong, who had, I think it was like a 34 yard kick return that was aided by a 15 yard personal foul penalty uh, you know at the end of it uh, special teams was really really good today uh, the offense and the defense were really really okay maybe that's the path for this team uh the special teams hasn't lost them a game yet they won them a game today if you're just going to be average everywhere else like you got to find the, the little difference makers um, maybe this will be like a tennessee titans team where we watch and we're like yeah they're not great um, but yet they just win a lot of games and like special teams can be a big part of that it's been a good unit so far um it's probably going to have to be one of the better special teams units in the NFL. If this team's going to find a way to be great. That literally is probably part of the formula. Um, yeah. And it wasn't something I would have picked up before the season started, but it does have a trajectory of maybe being that um, because it was the difference maker. I would argue today. And I think most would as well. Yeah. And I do want to give credit to Greg Joseph. Like, like he was really, really good today. Like missed the extra point. That happens sometimes. Like it shouldn't, but it does. Like they aren't chip shot gimmies anymore. Like, Sometimes even the best kickers miss him, um, but he responds like the, the very like misses the extra point. Probably feeling pretty crappy about himself on the sideline when Will Lutz' sixty-yard field goal now ties the game instead of makes it a one-point game in the Vikings' favor. Um, and then ice in his veins, he comes back and he just he crushes the forty-seven-yard field goal. They, never a doubt, just right down the middle. Um, he's a really good kicker, and and I think like kicking it's like, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, it's always been this hex or this curse. Um, we can appreciate this guy. He He's a very good kicker. Um, the Vikings are in, I think a good spot with him. Um, and like you said, like, I think that kind of flows out to the rest of the special teams too. When we talk about it, Ryan, Wright, Good punter, uh, Jalen Rieger, like according to Eagles fans on, on Twitter, not a good punt returner, like pretty good punt returner. Kenny Wongu, great kick returner. Like the special teams unit, I think more often than not, is going to be a win on the Viking side. If we're just breaking down week to week, um, that unit's really good. Um, we won't belabor the point too much because at the end of the day, the offense and defense still have left a lot to be desired, but the Vikings are three and one. And I think heading into this week, you fly home from London, you snap back to central time, you prepare for the bears. Um, and you should be four and one heading into to, to week six. 
the circadian rhythm is in perfect line. Um, so yeah, that Bears game, no excuses there because they are in central time zone. I don't want to hear anything about traveling back from London. They did everything to perfection. Just ask all the sleep people and whatnot and sports scientists. So I'm not accepting that as an excuse next week if they lose because everything we heard was that this should be just great for leading into week five. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. It could be three and one Vikings versus three and one bears. If you are listening to this in three hours and you're like, the bears lost you dummy. Um, we recorded this, the first half of that game, but maybe it'll be a massive NFC North showdown. Uh, frankly, it will be to some degree either way, but another chance for the Vikings to, even if they want to play uninspiring football, maybe win again. Um, but we'll see. Maybe they'll decide, Oh, we should flip a switch and actually try to improve week to week. Uh, that would be my thought, but their approach is working as well. So who am I to say? Uh, anyway, Vikings three and one win in London, still undefeated in London all time. Uh, a home away from home, I guess. Uh, 28, 25 win over the Vikings player of the game. Greg Joseph. Greg Joseph. I Greg think Joseph. so. I, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson with his 10 catches for 147. Well, yeah, Greg that Joseph. was, that was. Greg Joseph's partner in crime, basically. Exactly. Greg Joseph, though, five field goals. Game winner. Player of the game, for sure. All right. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking forward to Vikings-Bears week, NFC North. It's always a rivalry. Uh, it might have some pretty big standings implications. That'll be a lot of fun. Follow, like, subscribe to Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's Vikings podcast. Stick with us here as we move through what is a successful open to the season um despite everything we might say about it along the way um <laughs> for Dave Mizutani I'm Jace Frederick thanks so much for listening we will catch you next time goodbye Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 